Welcome to Keeping It Secure, the Hashicast show about security trends, cloud adoption challenges, and security innovation. Join your hosts, DevOps Rob and DevOps Adil, as we tackle the complexities of cloud security and industry-wide challenges. Keeping It Secure, what we, episode, I'm losing track, 13, 13? I think so, yeah, 13, mate, yeah. Let's love go with 13. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that, love that, love that. Friday 13. We are back. Is it? Fr- oh, yeah, jeez. It's Friday the 13th, <laughs> stop, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> especially with the, to- the topic we're going to talk about today, we don't want any bad luck jinxing to be them. <laughs> That's not how this thing goes, but, you know, it's one of those. But, yeah, no. yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, DevOps Rob here. Uh, one of your co-hosts, uh, part of a two-man team. Uh, I'm joined with my esteemed colleague and friend, Batman, the real Batman. How you doing, man? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. <laughs> all good. And welcome, welcome to everyone here as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's not let's not jinx it, given what we're gonna be talking about. Oh man, it's it's all been popping off. It's all been popping off like i can remember i pinged a deal what was it about a week ago or something like that yeah about a week ago just yeah yeah about a week ago and i was like yo do you know that royal mail is currently going through a cyber attack right and um imagine he's just like wow i didn't know right kind of thing we started looking into it and we were just like wow and i didn't realize that royal mail had been through a previous cyber attack uh just a few months ago right um, yeah which which is crazy right but obviously we got talking about this and we said nah you know what we should just stop the conversation here this is an episode in itself right save um, it yeah, save it yeah. but just just to give it a bit of context uh just to any listeners that are, are not from the the uk uh royal mail is uh, the postal service that we use here right so this is how we receive our letters uh our well, I say our packages, it depends. Some packages come from Royal Mail, some do not. But in general, when you get a letter from anyone, it will be delivered by Royal Mail, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, they only just went sure. private. Yeah, they only went private in 2015. I was just about to ask, are they still like um, the government no, run? No, they were... No, they went private in 2015. Uh, so obviously, while I was reading all of this, all of this up, they only just just went private in 2015. So obviously, a lot of, uh, let's just say... Um, culture of public sector will still be rem- you know there'll be remnants of pu- the culture of public sector the union as we as we know and as it's on the, on the news all of that still obviously is still there um but uh yeah they've only just 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 gone private in, in 2015 um so yeah uh, why say private um as in like they have uh investors uh, they're not they're not they're no longer public sector they're no longer government owned um is what i mean i'm not sure if they're actually um if they're in the stock exchange as such, but they're definitely not, uh, they're no longer, uh, uh, you know, part of the national, you know, where we had things nationalized, right? Back in the seventies and and, and eighties. Like BT, uh, British Airways. Yeah, exactly. Well, Thatcher Thatcher Day, she's the one who kind of started off privatizing all of them. It was in the seventies when things were nationalized. Yeah. And it it looks like Royal Mail has been one of the last ones to kind of only now just, just go uh, go full on private. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, nonetheless, they they obviously 
you could say similar to BT, uh, where it formerly nationalized, but then pri- went private, but have a monopoly in, in yeah. UK. Yeah, I mean, for context, BT is uh, British Telecom. Um, that used to be when we all had um, hard phone lines in our house and, you know, it was British Telecom who who owned that line. They owned all the infrastructure, and um, yeah, that, that was it. I can remember I went to um, I went to school in West Croydon, um, St Mary's High School, West Croydon, and literally across the street from there was a massive BT office. It might have even been their head office. This was back when uh, Croydon was uh, back 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 in the days, way back in the days. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't even know if that office is is even still occupied by the same company or if it's been sold off or whatever it is. But yeah, British Telecom was it was a big deal. Uh, what was the slogan? It was something like um, "It's good to talk" or something like that. Was I can't that remember. You know, um, BT is good to talk. I'm sure that was it. I'm sure. I I remember. So they, didn't they have something similar to like Yellow Pages? Uh, um, but they had a book of all the phone numbers that you could just go through. And you know, boy, back in the days, that. right? P- P- oh, PII yeah, yeah. was not. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah. I just remembered that. I it's just like that. you want to you want to talk to someone who just got just look their name up, right? And you find the telephone yeah. number and their address. Yeah. Unless you were ex directories, is that what they call it? When you don't? Yeah, yeah, ex directory. Yeah, I remember that as well. <laughs> Jeez, taking me back. You could tell we we, we some people born in the eighties, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Born in the eighties, the nineties. Yeah. If you know, you know. <laughs> Trust me, trust me. But yeah, Royal Mail, man, they, they've they've been going through it right now. They've um so basically, uh, obviously, a, a deal showed me the other day that they they went for a cyber attack uh, uh, at the back end of of last year. Um, about a week ago, they announced that they are going through another cyber incident. That's the exact language that they use: cyber incident. Um, and you know, in between those those two kind of cyber attacks slash incidents, um. They are having major problems with uh, the unions. We have we have a bunch of unions here in in, in the UK who protect the the rights and and the welfare of of their members. Uh, and yeah, let's just say that they've been locked into uh, a you know almost a financial war, I guess, isn't it? Uh, with the unions uh, who are looking to protect the jobs and and the interests of their members, and obviously a deal is yeah. just kind of showed us that Real Mail has now become uh, a, a privatized entity, uh, which with investors means that now your your first duty of care means you need to look after the interests of your shareholders. So you can see they have been going through it a lot. And the funny thing is, I, I checked this morning um, just to see if there were any updates on the cyber attack, if they released any more information. And it would appear yeah. that they are... I don't. I, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but maybe they're still under attack, right? They haven't really released much. Okay. In, in, by way of further updates, um, they, uh, you know, I, I was think about they, to ask actually. I was about to yeah. ask, like, have they? You know, is it resolved or you know? But it sounds like nah, it's still. I think so. Basically, the I stand to be corrected here because I cannot remember the job titles, but I think let's just say the CEO, right? Um, okay was called in front of a parliament committee this week. Um, oh, oh, I, I, thought, I didn't catch up catch on that news. Okay. That's yeah, it, but the thing, funny thing is the, the reason why um, uh, they were called is uh, not to do with, with the cyber incident. It's actually to do with um, the issue with, with the strikes that happened. Obviously, unions okay. up and down the country are striking left, right and centre, and, you know, the government's trying to get... Yeah, that's having a massive effect, right? Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but obviously, when when they were called in front of of the the uh, committee, uh, questions about the cyber incident were raised, and the response sure. was along the lines of. Um, they can't divulge any information at the moment as it will, may impact the ongoing investigation. Um, so I think let's let's start from the beginning, right? Let's let's start from the absolute beginning of this attack uh, before we even delve into the one that happened at the back end of last year. Um, there's there's very little information that's been put out there. Uh, all we know is that Royal Mail posted a statement saying that they are experiencing a cyber incident. We know that they had alerted uh, the National Cybersecurity Center, which I believe is a government division over here, which looks after the, the cybersecurity interests. Yeah, of the so NCSC is actually a um, uh, they owned by GCHQ. So GCHQ is our oh, right. intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. I, I didn't. I, know I, I, I didn't know until I started researching on on this as well, actually. Um, but yeah, NCSC is actually um, fully uh, part of GCHQ. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay. Cool. So, um, so that's what's happened. We we've seen statements from from a national cybersecurity center to um, confirm that they have been alerted to to the cyber incident and that they are investigating it in collaboration with the Royal Mail. Uh, I believe they have also informed the ICO, which is the Information Commission. Commission officer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And that's normally, normally you do that when uh, there's a data breach or you suspect a data breach, right? That's right, um, yeah. However, uh, we're, we're not quite sure if that's actually what's happened, if they were just erring on the side of caution, because there are very strict well, rules about that, isn't it? Yeah, but let's talk about that, actually. Um, I, I mean, I don't, this, it does take us back to the, 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 the previous incident that happened in November, right? So now... What's this is interesting. Check, check this out. So the one in uh, that happened in November, um, which was clarified to be um, a technical glitch that exposed uh, customers' information. The day breach that happened in November was part of their um, Royal Mail's click and collect, click and collect service. And um, as part of that, uh, um, customers were able to see other customers' uh, orders. Uh, and uh, um, information as such. Well, when I say information, um, I'm, I'm going to be very careful here. Um, it sounds like the information being scoped towards just orders. They're able to see other people's orders. Um, reason why I'm saying uh, I'm being strict, but it's nothing beyond, as in like they couldn't see other people's PII. Not that I can confirm. Reason why I'm saying that is because uh, at that time, the public did call out, say, have why have you not informed ICO? Because they did not. So in November, they did not inform ICO. Neither did they inform NCSC. Uh, and the response came, uh, and, and people uh, contacted ICO uh, and NCSC, uh, uh, from which the, the response from ICO was that, well, Royal Mail don't have to report to us um, if they think that the personal information hasn't been uh, uh uh, hasn't been uh, breached or exposed mm -hmm. um, and uh, they are confident that, that that's not the case therefore they don't have to report to uh, report to them and they and they haven't so ICO haven't received an official uh, um, report from Royal Mail of the November of November's incident having said that this time round they have right um, now 
you're not going to do that because of public outcry in November. Oh, this is the public told us, you know, we should have, let's do it this time around. No, you're going to do it because there probably is a data breach or a, 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 a breach of personal data, at least, uh, of um, uh, and some kind of data theft that's happened. Even the NCA, the National Crime Agency, have also been informed. So, which is also very telling because the, the one in November, you could tell is there was an internal error whatever that error was, they called it a technical glitch, but clearly yeah. uh, some kind of error that happened internally that has caused that. National Crime Agency is only going to get involved if there's actually an external threat involved, right? Um, yeah, that's true. And- I think so. I think a lot of the listeners, if you're, so if you're from outside the UK, even some people in the UK, I was talking to some friends and they don't even know who the National Crime Agency are, right? Um, yeah. They yeah. are like a subdivision of the police. They're, they're pretty much like in America, you have the FBI, right? This is kind of like our version yeah. of the FBI. Um, they are responsible for some very, very big uh, cases that have been brought. Um, they've they've brought down some really, really dangerous and bad people. Uh, they've uh, swatted a lot of attacks and so on and so forth, um, physical and and cyber. Uh, they are not focused on cybersecurity per se. They are just focused on the interest of the United Kingdom. Um, but yeah, that like the uh, National Crime Agency. I never forget actually when they were launched. Um, this is back in the day when we used to commute to the office. And do you remember the Metro newspaper you used to get at Victoria Station and London Bridge? And I remember that. I used to right. read that a lot. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's that we one. Get... And there was another one called um, City AM, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the more, uh, uh, or the less gossipy one, I'd say. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Metro newspaper, the front and center of it, when they announced that they were going to launch this, this uh, National Crime Agency, and they had like a bunch of SWAT looking type of officers in militarized uniforms and motorbikes and big machine guns and so on and so forth. That was the front page. And you know what? I remember that. I remember that news actually. Yeah. I remember the article. Yeah. yeah. I saw that and I thought to myself, this is a joke. They watch too much movies kind of thing. Yeah. But like all these years later, boy, the National Crime Agency is nothing to joke with. <laughs> if they've been informed that they are going to do their utmost to get to the bottom of what's actually going on. And I think to inform them, is is it's not something you take very lightly. Um, that, no, exactly right. It's, it's not like oh, just in case something's happened, we're letting you know. I mean, because again, I was looking back at the patterns. Here, if that was the case, it didn't happen in November. So, and I'm sure you know the NCA, ICO wouldn't want you know um, consistent noise, so to speak. So unless it's warranted, they, they'll be informed. Yeah, exactly. It's like they got their hands full, man. They're busy looking at all sorts of things. So you know, uh, it's 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 a big it's a big deal, right? Um, yeah. So let's take it back to the timeline again. You were saying, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So uh, so we've got all these statements from from uh, National Cybersecurity Center and um, Royal Mail put out these statements. I told you about the committee uh, uh, hearing at Parliament uh, this week, uh, where essentially they've confirmed that the investigation is still ongoing um and actually there was there, there was an article that was sent by a colleague of ours right um uh peter he sent an article uh let me see if i can actually dig it up right um here we go found it by bleepingcomputer.com right and essentially in this article uh they they let me just prefix this by saying uh, without statements from the Royal Mail, National Crime Agency, or the National Cybersecurity Center, we cannot confirm anything that these articles are saying, right? So, yeah. 
at this point, what I'm saying is purely conjecture based on whoever's written this article, right? This is an article posted by bleepingcomputer.com. Uh, and they're talking about the cyber attack at Royal Mail. They're calling it a cyber attack. Royal Mail calling it a cyber incident. Um, and essentially, this uh, article is saying that the nature of the attack is a lockbit ransomware attack, right? Uh, have you heard much about lockbit? Not until I started reading up on uh, that article sent by Peter, but um, about Lockbit's association to to Russia and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But until the, until then, yeah, I've not really heard much about them. Yeah, I mean, it's um, so I did a bit of reading as well, right? Um, essentially, it's a, a a form of cyber attack which uh, spreads by itself almost, right? Um, and it, it disguises itself in ways that a computer system will not be able to recognize the fact it's a malicious uh, package, right? So um, essentially, let me even get up my notes, right? Because I, I did some reading on this last night and um, some of the stuff that I came across was was quite interesting, actually. Um, essentially, w- what it will do is it will, uh, first you, you penetrate the network, uh, which obviously is always going to be the first step. And then uh, once you've penetrated the network, it then looks for what it calls vulnerable hosts, right? Um, let's try and get this. Uh, let's get my links up. So I read an article on uh, Kaspersky's uh, website uh, where they were they were detailing this, right? Uh, so essentially, they 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 want to penetrate the network, and then they want to like figure out what the vulnerable hosts are, um, and then it deploys its uh, its attack, right? It deploys its attack in the form of things that the computer system is used to, right? It seems like the original lock bit was uh, targeted mainly at Windows machines, right? You use things like PowerShell scripts and so on and so forth to, to inflict its damage. Um, but... You know, that doesn't mean that you're safe from it if you're using Linux workloads and so on and so forth. Because I also read some other stuff where there are new uh, iterations of it which are working against the Linux workloads. Um, I'm not sure if Mac OS is, is uh, affected by this, right? Um, but it does its attack in a very stealth way. It's all automated. And it disguises itself as a .png file, which is just a picture, right? Um, and obviously, <laughs> you know, Antivirus, generally speaking, is probably not going to look twice at that, right? Um, but yeah, if, if if you're thinking it's only Windows, it, it's looking like there's new variations of it which attack Linux. There's even one variation I saw, I saw which attacks um, VMware ESXi hosts, right? So it can penetrate the VMs within that. Um, hey, it's, so, but it's, so, so with the ransomware, right? It's it's like generally the, the theme here is that you would um encrypt the drives uh, uh, and basically say hey you know give me money so that you know you can uh, get them unencrypted kind of thing right so that you know we've locked your data and they're yeah. threatened to put it into public right um uh, and, and the article i think the ran- the ransomware oh. itself actually is the thing that generates that encryption key Key, right. okay. Not even like whoever uh, is is doing the attack has an encryption key. And they they hold the key, okay. Once the, the funds are transferred, it's automatically released. It's all automated. It's 
very okay. sophisticated. This is very different to the Uber attack that we discussed the other day. Yeah. So the article mentions, right? So this article, again, you know, disclaimer that, you know, we, let's treat this as conjecture. But article mentions that the um, the encrypted or, or or where the the affected devices were these, or at least the, the, the um, labels uh, where the label printing comes out, that label printing started printing out these messages to say everything's locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appears that the effect what are affected are devices uh, on the ground, i.e., in the, in the parcel sensors and areas there, right? Um, and I've got from another uh, another article in terms of w- what's been affected. It's like six sites that have been affected, including the Heathrow uh, Centre um, in uh, uh, near uh, Slough. So. Mm-hmm. My, again, you know, obviously without having much information here, right? What doesn't make sense to me, though, is that how much data could have been stored in these local devices? Or, or are they kind of some kind of, uh, or, or were they capturing stuff in memory? And then, I, I, I mean, again, like, you know, just seeing it from the outside, uh, if we were speculating, I'm just trying to understand, or is it that actually we don't know what they've captured for we know they could have captured a lot more than well, let's not take the risk kind of thing. And then let's just lock everything down, worst case scenario type. What do you I think? think um, that's where I'm... I know what you're saying. And it, so one thing that I lost last night, I'm trying to find all these links for, for articles and, and things that I read last night. Um, so there's different forms of attacks. So what we discussed is the ransomware encryptor side of things where it encrypts data with uh, a generated uh, key. And it will release that key to to uh, the the organization once they've paid the ransom, essentially, right? Um, but the other one is uh, they obtain information, they obtain data, and if uh, the ransom is not paid, then they leak it on uh, leak websites and so on and so forth. Uh, I came across a, a number of of, of uh, leaks, uh, which uh, the uh, Creators of Lotbit, uh, whatever that organization is actually called, uh, have uh, claimed responsibility for. I think they have a website where they they um, leak these things. Um, one key thing that we forgot to mention about the Royal Mail cyber incident is uh, Royal Mail is split into kind of two kind of divisions. I don't know. If yeah. That's, um, yeah. So domestic and import and export, right? Yeah, so so I looked into that a lot more actually. Now. So basically, um, what they got, uh, and this is based on their um, the annual report that they had, right? Uh, um, the last one was published. Uh, so I think they publish it around April, May, uh, mm-hmm. every April, May, uh, and so the this is what they call the 2021, 2022 annual uh, report, and they've explained about their whole kind of organizational structure. What they got is a, a dual CEO structure. One CEO that's running in Royal Mail. So all the strikes that we're hearing and all of the kind of um, uh, even the cyber incidents are within the Royal Mail realm. And then there's GLS. The GLS is is more about the import export uh, mainland Europe and parcel delivery. Although Parcel Force and Royal Mail are under the Royal Mail uh, um, umbrella, and they do obviously do import uh, um, or they do import export as well. But they. Um, I, they're just two different businesses from what I understand. Um, and what it looks like is that the cyber incident is isolated under the Royal Mail banner. Um, and specifically the systems though, from the systems perspective, this is interesting, actually, this is, this would lead on to something else I want to talk about. This is, uh, specifically, uh, affecting, 
um, those deliveries out to, um, as they call it, export, but those deliveries out to mainland Europe uh, um, and the export piece. Reason why this is interesting and this is going to lead to something else is because this is uh, this um, service, let's just call it service or microservice or, or, or application, right, the, uh, which is specific to the, the exporting um, to mainland Europe, that is uh, um, uh, a uh, that service is also heavily. Um, what's what I'm looking for here? eBay are using that service quite heavily. As in, there has been a um, I think it's sometime last year where they announced and published um, that eBay is now going to integrate Royal Mail's export service for for business users to be able to use that um, uh, 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 for export that. So. If that's down, it means that eBay is obviously is affected to this. Now, the this is let's just uh, um, put some. I want to put some numbers behind. Uh, I want to talk, let's dig deep around the eBay piece. Reason why is because during the strikes, obviously when the strikes happen, that's also affecting that whole uh, aspect of um, the the export aspect, which eBay was affected as well. And eBay reported that. They had fifty percent of their small businesses uh, affected uh, by that November December strike, and that's around uh, one hundred fifty thousand uh, users. So um, I can't remember how many days what those strikes were, but um, we can, you know, if we were to try and deduce that, right, that the number could be the same, if not more, with this security incident. Because security has uh-huh. been that that service is now completely shut down. Um, so. Obviously, eBay hasn't still have yet to come out with a report for um, what the number of the small businesses have been affected by the security incident. But I suspect it will be um, similar numbers. Um, and obviously, November December was just only what a couple, you know, four four weeks ago. Um, yeah. Uh, since the last uh, uh, impact, uh, and now obviously they're being impacted again. So I wanted to highlight that the. the the impact that this has ha- has had, um, and also obviously uh, the uh, what was I going to say around the strikes as well. How the strikes, we could take and learn a lot from the business impact the strike has been given, and uh-huh. then if those in, in in similar vein, the cybersecurity incidents shutting down some of these services, we're able to kind of deduce some kind of uh, similar impact uh, and. Um, outward ripple effect that would obviously come from this as well so i found that you know very um intriguing uh and uh, and interested as well what's funny is um i i read uh i read a statement from uh the it director uh at royal mail and uh, i'm paraphrasing here but the quote was something along the lines of uh historically royal mail has been a letter company that has occasionally uh, delivered parcels, right? Um, now it's becoming a parcel company, which occasionally delivers letters, right? Um, like I said, I'm paraphrasing, but it was almost word that's, for word that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's it, actually been published in their annual report as well. Now like they're yeah, shifting well, their business. Exactly, exactly. And like I say, this is this is directly from. This is a quote. This is not like someone saying, "I heard, I heard them say this," and so on and so forth, right? Um, and essentially, uh, what she was saying is that there needs to be 
some digitization of elements of the business in order to uh, make uh, these these things possible, right? Uh, which brings me on to something that we, we talked about a little bit, uh, but we didn't go into any great depth the other day uh, about digital transformation, right? And uh, some of the digital transformation that Royal Mail have gone under and, you know, uh, what, what kind of impact these things have and, and what, you know, how does it change? How it's uh, related as well, right? The relation as well. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's an important conversation to have because, you know, we've been in the age of digital transformation for how many years? I don't know, uh, many years, you know. I've worked at consultancies before, which their whole sales pitch was, we help organizations digitally transform for the future, right? Uh, these are big consultancies. Um but ultimately, when you start to digitize these things, you've got to think like before, like my I remember my doctor's surgery when when I was when I was a kid, right? Um, you'd go into the doctor's surgery and you'd give them a name, and then if, when you look in the office, they've got this big filing system, and you know whatever your surname is, uh, they would go by the uh, the letter beginning. They'll look inside that file and they'll search through every single folder until they found your name, right? Um, when that became digitized, that filing cabinet is gone. You know, I'm still at the same doctor's surgery and that filing cabinet is not there anymore. It's all on the computer now, right? So the risk of someone stealing my medical records, for example, you would have to physically break into the building. You know, you'd have to get through their burglar alarms and so on and so forth. I think they had CCTV back then. Um, you would have to take some efforts to not be detected via that. And then you would have to do what they do. You would have to go through the filing system to find my medical records uh, in order to steal it, right? And the difference between you and them is they have intimate knowledge of how to navigate a filing system. You do not. Uh, but that was the threat back then. Whereas now, the, the threat is completely different. You know, So when you start thinking about um, the digital transformation the NHS has gone through, for example, um, how has it changed? It doesn't mean that there are necessarily more threats, maybe. Uh, maybe it's just different it's a different. It's a different, yeah. And it's funny you brought up NHS. I'll, I'll come on to that in a bit. There you go. Yeah, but essentially, like, I, I bring it up as, as a good example because I have a tangible thing that I remember with my own eyes of how it used to be versus how it is now. Now I have a number, which that number gives access to my medical records and so on and so forth, right? Um, Royal Mail. The way that they used to do things was very manual, very, uh, you know, you needed someone on the ground. Stamps, you need to affix a stamp to something. You needed to, to you know, information had to be put on a sheet of paper. Everything was manual, paper and pen, ink, all that kind of stuff there, or something was printed or so on and so forth, right? Uh, and if you needed to go back in time to figure out what happened somewhere, you would have to, to go for a stack of paperwork to see what's happening um there was probably a lot of value in the data in that paperwork which you know uh you couldn't extract really because <laughs> do you know how long it would take someone to ingest all of that information and actually just do some proper analysis on that in order to extract the value from that it's it's, it's not a, a feasible or a tangible thing to do uh, but when you start to digitize it there are a world of opportunities that open up for you um but with these opportunities comes uh, threats as well, right? Um, yeah, risks, right? Uh, risk, yeah, exactly. It's, it's the nature of of, of digital transformation. Um, and yeah. I think the whole world is going through it right now. 
Um, but yeah, I wanted to hear a bit more about that because you mentioned it the other day, and I was like, hmm, this is this is an interesting point, right? Because if I'm I'm not saying that digital transformation is a bad thing, by the way, just want to make sure that this doesn't come off wrong, right? Well, what I'm saying is that Absolutely when not. you go through digital transformation, there are some things that you need to be aware of that might affect you, right? And of course, you know, what but this are, is the thing, right? This, there's so many things that are, you know, um, uh, what's the word? There are so many moving parts here. But I mean, mm-hmm. let's talk about the whole digital transformation in terms of, okay, the thing is like, Roy Miles going through digital transformation. But when you when I started looking through that, I realized that it, it, I started digging into this whole uh, kind of d- deep hole, right? Where now actually we see the whole postal industry in itself is going through a digital, a digital transformation. And it's all to stay alive as in that it's it's part of the kind of uh, there's there's an existential crisis that's taking place right if they don't go go through digital transformation i mean i read somewhere that the u.s postal service are making a loss uh in the in the in the realms of uh close to uh, hundreds of millions every year and i I think it's close to a billion if anything or 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 more i need to dig that up actually if they're private Um, or nationalized i think they're national uh, I'm, okay. not, I'm not too sure. I'll have to double check on that. If it is but, national, it doesn't taxpayers' money. <laughs> exactly, I'm, right? I don't care about that stuff, you know? Like, I'm just I saying. know, but... No, no, for sure. 100%. But the point I'm making you know, is, like, every, every postal industry right now is going through a form of digital transformation. Um, and they're having to... It, it, it's, it's, you know, kind of make or break for them at this point, where if they don't, then... And this is pointing back to the... The reason you mentioned about the you know the parliament you know bring, bringing them in and asking questions around the strikes and stuff, there's a good reason for that because there was um, a few articles that said that if Royal Mail are are uh, do not succeed around saving money and and and, and the losses or rather you know and, and the only way out of that is the completion of their digital transformation, then the government may have to bail them out just as they just as the government had done for uh, others in the past right mm-hmm. uh, and they may have to they come in and bail out royal mail so it's also in in our government's interest or in our taxpayers as taxpayers in, in our interest as well, as well to ensure that royal mail survives uh, and royal mail as going through a, a, a level thing but this digital transformation though right this, what's interesting is that as you said around how much so if, for example, you're now being told you either go through digital transformation or you're going to get shut down, kind of thing, right? That can all that that would also kind of um, uh, again, obviously, these are all conjecture, right? But you can see a pattern here, right? There's going to yeah. be mountain. Pre- there's going to be a, a pressure in terms of accelerating, going fast, because everyone yeah. goes through digital transformation. Digital transformation doesn't happen in a year. It, these are multi-year programs, right? But how fast you go is always going to be dependent on obviously some things, right? And it's if you look at, and I want to go through the kind of a chronological history of Royal Mail in terms of what I found out about what they're trying to do with this whole digital transformation piece. School so man. they've hired someone. <laughs> so they hired someone last year, last year March twenty twenty two. They they hired someone called uh, let me get you, Deborah Bailey. Uh, she joined a CIO in March 2022, and um, she uh, she was a CIO. Uh, so prior to Royal Mail, she was in O2 for uh, for a number of years, going through dig- uh, t- um, taking O2 through a digital transformation. 
prior to that, she was in Nationwide for a good number of years. And prior to that, she was in BT. So um, she has a, a good track record of uh, of all of these digital transformations. And she's she's actually published a number of kind of um, blogs and articles around, you know, how to be an effective CIO. And uh, uh, she's uh, very much focused around um, how digital transformation is really um uh, should be correlating back to business value, and and in essence, is about accelerating um, the business values uh, uh, and business profit in, in in itself. So, you know, her thought process uh, is very much uh, that kind of business level CIO and how to uh, um, or how to present technology as a means to then accelerate um, uh, 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 business products and, and business sales. So, you know, very forward thinking CIO. Um, but clearly, uh, the the whole kind of Roma group, if we, if, again, you know, conjecture, but we're just kind of putting things together here, right? It it looks like their uh, Royal Mail group are investing quite heavily around that. And one of the things that, you know, key words that have popped up a, a number of times are their primary focus is around advanced analytics and data-driven decision-making. So they're, they're investing, you know, more around that kind of big data side of things, more around that kind of data analytics side of things. And um, to the point where um, even in the annual report, uh, they, 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 they've spoken about this, that they've even hired or they created a brand new role actually for them uh, for um, in aid of this kind of uh, data analytics um, and uh, where they've hired someone called Mark Briars, who's coming as chief analytics and data officer. So I don't know whether uh, Mark Briars reports into uh, um, CIO or reports somewhere else, but the point is that the massive investment that's taking place around uh, at this point around the whole digital transformation, especially around the kind of advanced analytics, and all of that is really focused. Coming back to that thing you mentioned earlier about shifting their business towards that whole uh, parcel piece, right? Um, now, which is connects to yet another piece right again i don't want to i'll go into that bit later on but the whole strikes and the national strikes that take place they're all related to basically the shifting uh, uh, twofold right the digital transformation but more around the parcel piece uh and shifting that to, towards the parcel piece and not the you know um because that's a a big threat to uh the the workforce and obviously national the the union um have concerns around um it may not be in the favor of the workforce uh, or, or or the posties uh, in essence, and um, it becomes more of a gig economy, similar to let's say Amazon or Uber as such. I think that's kind of their primary narrative around this. Having said that, the point is that the strikes are co- the strikes in itself are are, are costing uh, a lot of money as well. So, like this year, uh, last year rather, they um, Romo have reported that um, their uh, the strikes have costed. Uh, Royal Mail uh, uh, in excess of a hundred million pounds. That's how much has uh, has costed uh, Royal, Royal Mail. Now, which is it's, it's funny because I say it's funny. Rather, what's interesting is that Royal Mail have uh, published that last year they've invested over or off a four hundred million pounds for twenty twenty two in uh, uh, towards digital transformation, um, yeah. but then. The strikes that's cost them of the hundred million. Uh, there was a statement uh, that was also then made that this, uh, uh, this the the national strikes will affect how much they can accelerate in their digital transformation piece, right? So yeah. whether that's slowing them down or not, right? Or, or actually, so it's, it's twofold here, right? So there's the piece, right? Is that you, uh, the point you mentioned around uh, 
when you go too fast, as in like you want to do digital transformation, there's inherent yeah. risks with it, right? Um, and then there's always a balance between, okay, what are you, because obviously um, stab- agility versus stability, right? Stability is where obviously a lot of the security side of things are. Um, traditionally speaking, stability uh, go, kind of goes against agility um, and it will try to slow things down a bit. Uh, and it's trying to find that right balance, right? Okay, how much you be agile versus how much you be st- uh, st- stable? And it's making the right decisions around your investment. But I can imagine that with these strikes and would have a uh, effect on your budget, therefore um, you have to make some difficult decisions as to where you would invest the, the, this, the short money that you've, you know, you may have left. And I, and I, I often wonder is the um, budget or the, the, the money uh, that, that's been, uh, um, uh, invested in digital transformation has that affected the um, uh, investment in towards the security side of things, right? As in, like, I, I and I don't, I haven't had much information around the CISO or that security side of things, but I, I do wonder if that's been affected by it. But I, I just want to end it before I give it back to Rob. Um, is that the last um, cybersecurity incident happened in November? There was a statement, yeah, that was made by. Um, Faki Sadi, who's a director of sales, France, UK, and Ireland, uh, for a company called Salty, um, and they they specialize in um, uh, devices. Uh, you know the, the the whole in relation to click and drop, basically, uh, and uh, um, how the information um, uh, uh, isolating information within devices, basically. So he made a statement uh, uh, um, where he was saying that this is a stark reminder of rapid acceleration of digitalization has inherent security risks if left unchecked. Um, so uh, it, there is already like um, conversations that are taking place by, you know, leaders in, in, in industries that are attributing some of this, the, the cybersecurity incidents that Royal Mail has, has uh, um, suffered, um, attributing that towards maybe the rapid acceleration of digital transformation. So that, um, I find that extremely, extremely uh, uh, interesting and intriguing. Is that um, a people process technology thing? Because one thing I find is when things go at a thousand miles an hour, right, that, you know, technology can move a lot faster than people can, right? And ultimately... I think if I've been doing something a certain way for 20 years and then all of a sudden um, technology has come in, I have to now change my behavior. I have to change my my uh, mindset, for example. The muscle memory that I have is now like invalid. I now have to learn new muscle memory. Do we think that uh, a lot of the, the inherent risks when it comes to digital transformation are around the, um, you know, the whole people process technology side of things? Well- it's an interesting point you made there because digital transformation is is all encompassing, right? As a digital transformation isn't just a tech; it's about taking an organization to a journey, and it means that there there are um, the cultural aspect that needs to change. Therefore, actually, I would argue that maybe acceleration of digital transformation may be a bit of an oxymoron, so to speak, because if you are supposed to be taking them on a journey, then um, how do you accelerate that? And therefore, the other thing is that if there's a hint, like if you are to accelerate it, you'd probably have to um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Replace your entire team, right? Then that's not really a people friendly or or, or uh, the the cultural way of doing things, right? It will mean that you'd have to take the existing people on that journey. So it, it sounds like there might be a hint of, say, I don't know, pressure on that um, pressure mount on the on the current tech team as well to try and actually focus towards that. Yeah, I think I think it's really tough though because at the end of the day, it's like. Um... You can bring in the technology all you want, right? As an architect, you try to uh, implement the way that technology is used that is friendly to the workflows of your workforce. You try to not disrupt things too much. You try to look at the way that you, your people work and try to bring in things uh, which are sympathetic to how they work as well, right? Um, the problem is if there is pressure on 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 a lot of these organizations uh, to uh, digitally transform quickly, uh, especially we look at this Royal Mail case and and the fact that the government is looking at potentially having to bail them out if if certain um, things do not happen in a certain time and the financial impact it will have on them. Um, you know, it's in the national interest to make sure that this works. That's what well. I mean. So it's. It's a double-edged sword, you know. If I'm, um, you've got to think. This is why we were having a conversation earlier on about the whole privatized versus nationalized kind of thing, right? Uh, and yeah. you know, I, I, I kind of joked saying that voters care about uh, these things costing the tax uh, taxpayer money, right? Um, I, I semi-joke, but essentially, when it's nationalized, it's the um, it's the taxpayers that that it matters to. Yeah. When it's privatized, then it's the shareholders, right? Uh, either way people are going to be putting pressure on to see the, the type of results that, that they got into this for. As a taxpayer, you don't really have much choice. You know, you have to pay taxes, right? As, as a shareholder, you have choices, right? You can exit your positions and so on and so forth. And this has, um, let's just say, in some cases, detrimental impacts on, on businesses, right? So, this Oh, yeah, and the economy. Yeah, exactly. Huge amounts of pressure right. here. Um, oh yeah, let, let, let's talk about it, right? Like you said, it has an impact on other businesses. It has an impact on the economy, and because you, know, you mentioned about NHS, right? Because that's been also highlighted. Uh, you know, there's been by the government actually, where they they talk. I say government. You know, there are certain uh, MPs uh, that have mentioned that and made a comment that. So the, the the Royal Mail disruption with regards to the strikes, and you know, no doubt the same disruption that will be taking with. Uh, this cybersecurity incident um, has affected um, NHS with regards to uh, letters being reached to patients, uh, and the letters haven't reached the patients on time for their appointments. Yeah. So I did hear about that actually. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the comment that was made was that well, you know, NHS need to start uh, speeding up their own digital transformation, um, you know, and rendering the need rendering kind of the, the the need to send out letters as redundant because, you know, things will, should be kind of app-driven. You have like an NHS app. Um, your your records, like you said, NHS records are, are online now. Um, but being able to be get, you know, notification through email or through app. And they're like, they've, they've talked about how there's, you know, in the hundreds of millions where the the um, the, the application, uh, NHS application has been downloaded. Um, but there's still a, a significant, you know, older generation that, are still um, not kind of digitized, so to speak, are, are not in that kind of digital world. Um, but anyway, the point is that it's it's putting a spotlight on the slow pace of NHS, NHS's own digital transformation. But then it's coming back to the double-edged sword that you mentioned, right? Right? Is that, okay, so you're in this kind of position where, you know, if you don't do it 
if you don't do it quick enough, you're, you're going to go bust. And with Royal Mail, they go bust, given that even though they are a private, private organization, they're you know pretty much a monopolized organization. So actually, it will have a massive effect on the economy. It's already having an effect on NHS, right, which is which the government owns. Therefore, yeah. government coming in, bailing out, uh, has an effect on the government uh, budget and uh, in, in, in turn, the overall economy. Um, so now speeding up, and then having this uh, effect of the risks around uh, cybersecurity uh, and, uh, and and security in itself, I think um, it, it's a it's a difficult one. I think I would say is that at the end of the day, it, it comes back to you know we we talk about this a lot uh, in our in our episodes right now. There are uh, perceived risks and there are actual risks. Obviously, in this case, there were some actual risks, right? But it's I I, I can't help but think. Sometimes what we do is that we invest in uh, a lot of areas where maybe it, those could have been spent the next year. And this year, we could use that uh, spend on uh, looking at those actual risks. I don't know. Or maybe that actually they did have some uh, budget to spend on uh, um, uh, contr- adding controls around these risks, which could have Saved, I don't know, you know, could have saved a Romel uh, uh, late this year. But because of the strikes, that 100 million loss has now had to come out of the DX digital transformation budget or, you know, more so towards the, the security. Because as we know, security are often seen as cost centers, you know, and not necessarily seen as, as an investment towards actually bringing some kind of return. That's another thing as well that as organizations, when they make investments, is understanding, you know, the right investments to make uh, and where and how and how so um so yeah it, it's always a tricky situation and again i mean a lot of these things we're talking about they're all most of these are not confirmed right these but it's all just based on what we're seeing and it it's the conversation we're trying to have right now is this the the economy plus the the the, the digital transformation accelerated uh, rapid pace of this transformation um and how how do we make that balance of security investment in security hand in hand um, to avoid such, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, a negative impact that Royal Mail is now today suffering from? I think uh, so. Actually, the, that's a really good question. Um, and I think essentially, what, what you're going to have to do is you have to um, cons- you have to constantly threat model where you are and where you're going. I think you have to see what the threats are in front of you before you even make the transformation so that you are ready for the type of investment that's going to be required to face that, right? Um, Now, I'm no CISO. I'm not telling any of these people how to do their jobs uh, because I'm, quite frankly, not qualified uh, to do that. They have uh, vastly more experience uh, uh, and knowledge than me to be able to make these decisions, right? and I understand that it is huge, huge pressure. I think that the question really is at the moment, you know, we're, we're wrapping up the episode, so we, we kind of want to try and get to a point where we have an understanding. If I'm an organization that is under pressure to go through digital transformation, uh, and that can mean so many different things. That's such a vague term, right? Digital transformation. But essentially, uh, let's just for the sake of this conversation say we need to digitize our entire operations, right? What do I do? How do I do it? Um, you know, uh, it's it's easy Where to do bring you start? 
Exactly, right? I've worked at consultancies where, where you know, you mentioned NHS, right? I've worked at consultancies where I've done uh, transformation projects for NHS. Uh, and it's funny that that has come up, that the government's putting pressure on them to to accelerate their digital transformation because, you know, um, this was years ago when, when I was working on a project. And I know there were other projects going on to, to help digitize that. You look at um, HMRC, who are our, our tax body uh, within the government, um, that they have digitized, uh, you know, quite uh, aggressively, actually, uh, over the last few years. Everything is online now. Um, as a, a, a another organization or as, as a new company or whatever that's under pressure to go through digital transformation, what do you do? Right? Do you meet the the demands of speed and scale? Uh, and you know, if that is the answer for for your organization specifically, how do you do your best to? Uh, I use the word ensure. Right, I'm not sure that if there's any um, kind of guarantees here, but how do you do your best to to uh, mitigate the risks of some of the attacks that you might face? You know, I gave the example about my doctor's surgery. And how that's changed. And now, in order to get my medical records, you're going to have to hack. Uh, you have to penetrate a network and then hack a database somewhere to, to obtain my my um, my medical records. Whereas before, you could break a window, which probably wasn't double glazed back then. Uh, you can bypass the security alarm, or you can just get in and out quickly if you know what you're doing um, before the police turn up. Now things are a lot different. So, as someone who is in charge of uh, digital transformation. What is the best approach? And this is one that I think is, we, we really need to have big conversation on this, right? I think we need to uh, hear people's thoughts. If you've gone through digital transformation uh, yourself, if you were involved in decision-making or you influenced decision-makers as to different things, what were some of the considerations that you had to uh, take into account? Uh, you know, have you had any blowback? Um, you know, one thing I'll say about Royal Mail is they've been breached uh, twice or they've been the victim of cyber incidents slash attacks uh, twice in the last few months. Um, but at least they know that they've been under attack. You know, uh, there are some organizations there that have been under attack and have no idea that it's happened to them. Well, right? yeah, that was, remember our last episode where we talked about that there was an X percentage of uh, people that claimed that they've had no incidents at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, when this happened, I was like, okay, firstly, at least they have enough detective controls to know that something's happened, right? Um, sometimes, and the thing about preventative controls is sometimes you don't know exactly what it is you need to prevent. So, you know, 100%. this is why when we when we talk about these things here, I, I, I try to not sound like I'm blaming anyone, right? Because I don't really think this is the type of thing where blaming gets us anywhere as an industry. It's, it's very important that, that we look at these things. Like if Royal Mail, I mean, I don't know how much information they're going to put out over the next few weeks, right? Um, one would hope that w we get enough information to be able to learn lessons from this. Um, but at the end of the day, if there, if there are protections that Royal Mail could have put in place but didn't realize that that was an attack vector for them for X number of reasons, right? We as other organizations can look at that and say, hmm, you know, we have maybe not exactly the same thing, but something kind of similar. Do we have any protective controls over that? No. Oh, okay, exactly. so what type of preventative, uh, sorry, preventative controls is the word I was trying to use. What type of preventative controls do we need? Like, how do we even prevent this? How, how are we going to detect it firstly? Secondly, how are we going to prevent these things happening? Right? Exactly. 
And, you know, I, I've said it in podcasts before I say it in, in many of my conference talks. When we talk about security, it's never absolute, right? There are no guarantees. You think about security budgets, right? It's one of those things that there can be an infinite budget. You can always spend more money when it comes to security. It doesn't matter how much you spend. doesn't matter how much effort and energy you put into the whole people, processes, technology thing. You can invest everything into that. If you're going to get breached, you're going to get breached. Um, the, 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 there's no guarantees in this game. It's, so, a, it's uh, a continual thing, right? It's what it is. Yeah. It's, 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 and the threat's evolving. It's just getting... Okay. Yeah, that's it. Look how all of a sudden it's attacking Linux and it's attacking ESXi hosts and you know all these types yeah. of things. Yeah, was, all these people were probably looking looking at this thing, thinking, "Oof, that's 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 bad," you know. Like, it's a good yeah. job we're not using Windows, but yeah, because I don't know how we protect <laughs> ourselves against that. In fact, I remember I worked at a company um, who shall remain nameless, and the uh, I'm trying to remember his job title. Um, I think he was like the security person right he, he was the sure. person that was in charge of the cybersecurity of the platform that, that this company ran and they were a windows shop um they only had a few linux workloads um and those workloads there were actually core to the business functioning but it had a team of specialists who were uh you know focused on the technology that was running on those linux workloads but his job primarily was to secure the windows workloads right and I'll never forget, when I was leaving, I was having a, I went to lunch with him, I was having a chat, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving because I want to work with more Linux workloads. I, I want to learn the Linux side of things a bit more, and there's limited opportunities here. And he said to me, I wouldn't know how to secure Linux workloads. I'm, I'm actually stuck when it comes to that, and I'm so glad that we don't have to yeah. secure those things, right? Because um, you don't know what you don't know, right? If you don't know what, exactly. what the problem is, how do you, how do you secure it? And it's interesting, actually. I, I'm actually due to catch up with him. I'm actually some some colleagues from that company that 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 shall remain nameless. I'm actually meeting them for lunch in 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 a couple of weeks, and um, I'm actually going to say, can we invite this person as well, right? Because I know that that company has gone through, uh, let's say, a reinvention. Like they they did a cloud migration when I was there, and as you know, you've got to migrate the mindset. It's not just the technology. And it seems like that mindset migration has really kicked off in the last few years. And now they have a lot more Linux workloads because that is what works for the business model, right? Uh, whereas Windows was working very well before. Now they're, they're using uh, a lot more Linux workloads, right? And I'd be very intrigued to, to hear his thoughts as to how he's securing those Linux workloads, right? How does he secure the network perimeters? A lot of the things that he was talking about back then I wouldn't say I'm not valid today or not relevant today, but you know, that's not front and center of your thought process. There are actually more, more, uh, you know, uh, more important things to kind of worry about in terms of the threats that you're facing. I would really love yeah. to kind of catch up with him um, and just kind of hear how things are going, hear what's changed, and and you know, his just his general thought process on that. Uh, because I think we all have to go through this digital transformation in our minds anyway, right? I think Agreed. if you've worked at a company for a, a period of time, things are going to change and you are going to have to change with it. Because if you don't, then realistically, you become redundant, right? Um, and yeah. if you haven't worked at a company a long time and you've moved from job to job a bit like someone like me, you would have had to change it anyway because, you know, you've got anyway, yeah. doing something at uh, these companies, but why is another company going to hire you when they're going through digital transformation and you've still got this legacy mindset and you've shown no willingness to kind of change, right? 
So I think that that whole people piece, I always say that people are the weakest link when it comes to, to this whole this whole um, uh, equation, right? Uh, well, it's, the only, it's the only variable that I see it as well. It's the only, the only variable that you can't. Um, and I think that's the biggest transformation, the biggest challenge of, of the transformation, right? I think if I can remember, I, I, I did some work with this company as well. Um, and this is very early on in my, in my consultancy career. And I knew what their problems were and I knew how to fix it, right? Um, I knew that they needed to do something which to them seemed quite radical. To me, it was pretty logical, right? And I made the case and they resisted. And I said to them, I was like, well, you know, why did you bring me in here if you're not ready for change? You told me that you were ready for change. Uh, You've got problems. Clearly the way you're doing things at the moment isn't working. Um. So look, either you want my help or you don't kind of thing, right? And yeah. ultimately we parted ways, right? There was there was no way that, that this was a good fit. They weren't ready to change. But there was someone at that organization who, uh, you know, I considered him to be a friend. And we, we spoke a little while after that and he said something to me. Um, <laughs> he said to me, uh, whilst what I was saying was correct, he goes, you have to realize that people aren't ready for that kind of, rate of change the the acceleration level right the speed of it he said what we needed to do is instead of taking them from a to z we needed to take them to b first and that was the first master and then c then d and so on and so forth right you know what i can empathize with that yeah yeah me too me and when he said that yeah like i said it was earlier on in my career right uh when he said that you know what he he's got a point maybe i was a bit too gung-ho with my well, you're passionate, right? As in, like you, you, you can see it, and not everyone yeah. else can see it. So sometimes you've yeah. got to take them on the journey to, you know, on that path, so that they can see it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and the funniest thing is, the people that brought me in at that organization, yeah, they were not the problem, right? When I make my case to them, they're like, absolutely, we should do this, right? The investments there, let's go for it. Um, the problem is, these people are very busy and important people, so they don't make the day to day decisions, right? It's their um, I don't know what you call it, middle management uh, team that do. Now, these are the people... People on the field uh, a bit more. Yeah, they're on the field a bit more. They're essentially, they're like the internal unions, right? These are the people trying to protect their yeah. jobs, right? Everyone's playing this strategic game. So if I come in yeah. and I provide ways to automate the way that you do things, something that takes someone maybe uh, 16 hours a week uh, to do, is now done automatically, right? And now you say they can focus on other stuff and then you're sitting there thinking, well, what else can they focus on? You know what? It's I don't really like it. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. not rock the boat. Everything's working right now. We get our budgets. Everyone's good. Uh, and that's the kind of resistance I was coming up against. Uh, but interestingly enough, I, I, I met up with um, some folks from that organization recently and all the things that I was saying to them, they said to me, because you were right, you know, and we've done exactly what you said we should do and i was like okay cool it took you a few years but you know (laughs) yeah that's the thing sometimes it's a timing thing right it's like you know what it's it's inevitable it's just about you know when it's going to happen and yeah um yeah yeah it's it's one of those things man it's like if i had taken them to 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 the b milestone instead of the z milestone that's a lot more palatable, right? Like a lot of conspiracy theorists tend to say um, things like this, right? They say, they say the government will announce some radical mm. or something like that, right? Um, New vaccine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or whatever, right? whatever it is, right? Yeah. Whatever the scheme is, right? And then 
people will be up in arms. They'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe they're doing this. They're taking away our freedom, so on and so forth, right? People are outraged. And then what the government will do is they'll say, actually, yeah, you know what, we'll scale back. We're not going to do that. We'll do this instead, yeah? And then people yeah. are a lot happier to accept that, right? And the, the, the thinking That's behind right. what these conspiracy theorists are saying is that if they'd come with their actual intentions in the first place, that would have been the thing that people would have been outraged at. But if you come with something even more extreme and then you bring it back to what you actually want to do, people are a lot more, uh, uh, or are going to be a lot more palatable towards that idea than they would have been if you'd just taken them straight to that. So um, in that same kind of breath, you know, me telling people that this is what you need to do, I know it sounds radical, but trust me, you'll thank me for this like in years to come. Uh, they can't see that, you know, because they're just not ready for that. They needed to get to to the second base and then third base and so on and so forth. And that's the journey they've taken. That's what's worked for them. And, you know, it, that's why we weren't a good fit. I was trying to go to Zed. Uh, but yeah, I think when it comes to digital transformation, I think we, we need to see more conversation around the the uh, risks, the threat, the, how people are going about implementing uh, uh transformation strategies, uh, how they are protecting themselves. We, we just need to have more conversation and we need to learn a bit more about this. I really do hope Romel publish uh, information that allows us all to learn from this. Uh, this is a very sophisticated attack. Clearly it's very targeted if they're experiencing this amount of cyber incidents in such a short space of time. Um, be it for, for monetary gain or whether it's sabotage, um, you know, there are different theories out there. And at the moment, that's all we have. All we have is theories because, um, you know, Roma haven't made that many statements around this um, because it appears to be, as of today, still an ongoing uh, incident. Investigation. Exactly, exactly. And when you've got uh, government uh, agencies involved and and uh, criminal prevention agencies involved, um, it's, it's not a matter to be taken lightly. But I'll just leave it with, with with my suspicion here. My suspicion is that uh, if Lotbit is involved, as in the ransomware itself, not the the organization behind that, uh, which I should add, the builder that they used to to create Lotbit was apparently leaked. Um, so, uh, and I know the one of the uh, members of the the Lotbit um, uh, inventors w- was arrested and is, is awaiting extradition to the US. Uh, and apparently uh, the group have denied any involvement in this. Uh, so if their builder has been uh, leaked, it's quite possible that someone has uh, used that builder to, to uh, you know, sustain this attack. Uh, but apparently the payment details are the same as what would have gone to Lockbit uh, people anyway. So, um, you know, if, if, if they are to believe, if that's true... Um, then it seems like this is not for monetary gain. This would be sabotage. Um, so as for what that would be, you know, uh, we have to wait and see what comes out, if anything even does come out, because it's so sensitive and it's in national interests. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, what information will come out. Because even when you look at the attack in in November, I think it was, yeah. there's not actually a lot of information out there when you think about no. it. Right? We've had to read between the lines um, and take statements and, you know, just try and build the picture that way rather than kind of a, you know, we, we've talked about uh, cyber attacks in the past where there's a timeline of events that's released and, you know, things to kind of yeah. satisfy the customer concerns and so on and so forth. I 
don't think we're going to get that this time when it comes to Real Mal. And I can say that because I don't really think we got that last time when it came to Real Mal. No. So yeah, all we can do is hope. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope that uh, Real Mal can, can resolve this because it's, like I say, it's still ongoing at the moment. Um, and, but I think uh, we can learn from a it. solid point. Yeah, I think a solid point you made was that the, um, this has opened up conversations around um, uh, the unintended consequences that may come from a rapid acceleration of digital transformation. And I think going forward, I'll be interested to dissect more on that piece around digital transformation and some of the going too slow or going too fast and, and the risks that are associated with that, I think, you know. Even going too slow, there may be risks associated associated with that too, right? Oh, huge risks, huge risks. It's it's like it's yeah. everything's a balancing act, right? It's, and we, we talk about security, yeah. and security in itself is 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 the art of balancing, right? It's the art of of balancing uh, your your security posture with your uh, ability to be productive, right? Yeah, if you go the extreme, most secure way of doing things, you'll barely get anything done, right? Uh, but if you go the most productive way, then you're probably going to leave yourself open to some quite malicious attacks, right? So it's finding that kind of that balance between the two. And we talk about that a lot with security. So when it comes to digital transformation, I think it's got similar connotations there. Uh, uh, specifically on this podcast, we talk about security a lot. Um, it's the same type of thing. You know, if you go too slow, what type of risks as a business do you open yourself up to? But that's yeah. not even security in itself, right? Then you can turn around and say, from a digital perspective, what kind of security risks do we open ourselves up for? And there are lots of micro conversations to be had under this big digital transformation umbrella. Um, and they all relate to finding the balance. And the balance for Royal Mail is not going to be the same as the, the, the balance for, uh, you know, another a, organization. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, we have. This is the, maybe the longest episode we've done. Um, I don't even think we've unpacked most of. We've barely the scratched that, the surface here. Yeah, because there's so much to this, and like I said, without statements, all we can do is read. Um, you know, uh, things that 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 IT directors and CEOs and CISOs have, have put out, and try and deject how their business is operating, and try and uh, use a bit of conjecture and, and guesswork as to what may or may not have happened um so a lot of what we said here is not factual it's our assumptions based on the limited facts that we do have and we've i think we've made it pretty clear what are our assumptions and what are the the actual statements that that we've we've read from people um but yeah i, I hope you enjoyed the episode um i thoroughly enjoyed talking about this um potentially oh we, yeah we, we this as well I want to carry on. That's that, that's how interesting this is, John. Yeah, exactly. It's like I think I think we we, we can probably address this in in, in a, a future episode. But because even things like Lockbit, if we if we look at Lockbit, like again, we barely scratched the surface of that. You know, um, I didn't really know much yeah. about Lockbit uh, in any great depth until last night. Uh, and I'm sure by the time we do another episode, I'll probably know a lot more about it. If we learn a bit more about that and and some of the things that that they've done how it's built, so on and so forth. Um, this could help some people, right, with with um, protecting their workloads. If you don't know the threat exists, then how are you going to protect against it? That, and that's a key thing. So um, it, it, might, it, it might be worth just revisiting this conversation in the very near future, I think. Um, 
But yeah, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. I, I think I'd give my final thoughts that really it's, uh, I'd love to kind of carry on talking, um, you know, in the future around digital transformation and its, and its effects, uh, um, you know, from a security perspective. Uh, and the investment in analytics as well, actually. I mean, so Roy Mel, for example, they, their primary focus around the digital transformation and its investment um, is uh, uh, primarily in their kind of advanced analytics and data driven. But I wonder how much of that can be leveraged by the CISO, you know, to aid their own uh, uh, security investments as well. So, I mean, something that I'd rather talk about in the future. Definitely, definitely. And even that for, for the CISOs is, is still a learning exercise as well. Um, there's no experts here. You know, there's just people that have done things before and that maybe puts them in a better position to face uh, a new unknown uh, with a bit of perspective. But it's, it's still a learning exercise there. But that's been it. That's been episode 13 on Friday, not the 13th. Um, <laughs> Thank you, everyone. And yeah, bye. That has been real. Um, thank you so much. And we will catch you on the next one. Peace out. You've been listening to Keeping It Secure with your host, DevOps Rob and DevOps Adil. Be sure to join us next time. 